inches worth of unfinished dissertation. The other half contained my shirts fraying at the cuffs, my jackets mangy at the elbows, my wrinkled khakis and jeans. Jammed into the bag's side pocket was one pair of brown loafers, scuffed beyond repair. All told, a thoroughly wretched wardrobe, one that reflected a self-image cultivated over years, rumpled scholar. Clothes belong to the world of things. I belong to the world of ideas. Fretting over my appearance would have meant acknowledging the importance of how others perceived me. Back then, I found this idea repellent. To some extent, I still do. Despite everything, part of me cannot relinquish the notion that I stand outside society, above its judgments. It is a part of me that grows smaller every day. Last, there is Nietzsche's head. Half head, the left half to be precise. I'd found it in an East Berlin flea market. For the life of me, I can't say what I was doing there. In the flea market, that is. I know what I was doing in Berlin, spending yet another travel grant, doing yet more research for yet more of my never-ending dissertation. I've never been one to make frivolous purchases, and everything one finds in such places is, essentially, frivolous. If memory serves, I was coming from the Status Bibliothèque, headed back to my tiny studio in Prenzlauerberg, mulling over what I'd read that day. I must have strayed from my usual route, because when I stopped moving, I found myself standing in a noisy aisle I could not remember entering, in front of a booth I could not remember approaching, holding an object I could not remember picking up. Cold and heavy, it was made of cast iron, with a square base that sprouted into a half-bust, a human head split sagittally, one ear, one eye, the left half of a nose. The crudeness of the workmanship testified to clumsy hands wielding inferior tools. The proportions were off, the surfaces uneven, and the eye in particular had an unreal quality to it, set alarmingly far back in its socket, as though staring out from the void. The surrounding flesh seemed entrenched. Somehow, though, this lack of refinement contributed to the overall effect. And anyway, the mustache, even one half, gave it away. Really, who else could it be? C'est lustig, ja? I looked up at the vendor. He bore a distinct resemblance to Joseph Stalin, which was surreal, because among the Soviet-era kitsch strewn across his table was a tea kettle adorned with hammers and sickles and emblazoned with Stalin's own face. I nodded and turned the object over, revealing a bottom lined with peeling green velvet. It was a bookend, the vendor said. Its friend, that was the word he used, Freund, was missing. He didn't know where it had come from, although he theorized that it had once belonged to a professor. Ein Genie, he said, a genius, adding that the world would not be the same without him. Coming from someone who appeared to have neither shaved nor showered since perestroika, this seemed a wonderfully intellectual sentiment, and, as a philosopher, 
I was moved to see how Nietzsche's ideas, so often misunderstood, could still inspire the common man. E equals mc squared, he said. Yeah. I think I did a good job of hiding my dismay, although at that point I felt it my responsibility to take the bookend into custody. Anyone who mistook Nietzsche for Einstein could not be trusted. I asked the price. He took a second to size me up, weighing my desire against my shoddy sport coat, before asking for thirty euros. I offered ten, we split the difference, and I left, elated, my bag fifteen pounds heavier. Over the last few years, the bookend has become something of a totem, a reminder of happier times, when I could still get travel grants. By the night Yasmina threw me out.